Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. of the Witch with Raven and Stephanie Gramati on this beautiful October Eve. Uh, we are so happy that we hope you have joined us again for another evening of discussion on um, tonight's topic, which is about sacredness, wholeness, and, and being a positive role model in the community, especially in light of what's happening in the world right now, that you know, holding true to um, who and what we are and demonstrating to the world how we can add to the whole of this world and, and contribute something that's good and positive. And um, Mr. Gumasi, what do you have to say about that? Well, you know, we, we are living in, in some very testing times for sure. You know, we want to just take a moment to to note the tragedy that happened in Las Vegas and, you know, how one person can just have such great impact on so many other people. And, you know, we see that not only in the violence of, of a, a person like, like the shooter, but really we see it in, in politics. We see it in the ways that people run countries, the, the way that uh, people who head organizations uh, can impact uh, people with their, you know, idiotic little moments. So I think one of the important things that we want to talk about during this show is preserving the goodness and understanding what is sacred and, and that it is worth, I hate to use the term fighting for, but certainly standing for, you know, standing up for and, and working to preserve sacredness and wholeness and all that is good. There really is a lot more of that in the world. Unfortunately, we don't see that as much. You know, these shows are geared towards things that are drama because they sensationalize things. Their advertisers get more bucks, you know. So when you turn on the TV, you know, you're going to hear more negative things on news than you are positive. And uh, I've always sort of thought to myself that, you know, there should be some kind of a, of a regulation that for every negative story a, a news broadcast tells, it has to include 
a positive story along with it so that by the end of the broadcast you, you have an equal balance. You know, but we don't really have that. You know, we, we see stories about crime and violence and corruption and politics and all this negativity and every now and then, you know, a news show will throw in, you know, somebody, you know, save the dog or, you know, you know, help the neighbor or something like that. But those are those are really much rarer than the negative things. And and in that setting we lose sacredness. You know, we lose Well look at Puerto Rico. The sacredness for life yeah. was was where? And and there seems to be so many excuses and reasons why this aid and the urgency behind it was not Right. really given a credence of life and death and um, that there is a judgment made that would incur this this damage and this horrific, you know, kinds of things that are happening, no water, no food. You think about that, there's no oh, power, that means no um, electricity of any kind, no plumbing, no refrigeration. Um, right. I mean, and, and that, that kind of devastation just can't be overseen. It just can't. And, well, um, I, I think it is, it is tragic that, it be, that that became a lesser thing than, you know, the Houston situation and, and other things. You know, it just seemed to be minimized more. You know, perhaps I'm wrong, but that's, that's how I kept seeing it in all the shows that I was watching. Um, there just seemed to be kind of a less urgency, um, not in the talking of it, but in the delivery of it. I mean, people gave a lot of lip service to, you know. Well, all I can say is that people have, have really uh, stood up. They've contributed yes. um, in a humanitarian way, in a loving way, in a compassionate way. And that, those are the things that we're seeing over and over again with all of this uh, catastrophe that is incurring in the world, in the world, not just here in this country, but yeah. everywhere. Mexico City, um, uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of the other one that also just happened to you. Um, but it's, it's showing people are not standing for that anymore, that they want to come back into common cause and living and helping and, you know, denying the darkness to enter into the light and continually right. be that's what we have. This is the first time I've ever seen news reporters like almost they're, they're almost panicky the way that they're talking about it. Right. Where when they're on location in these places because yeah. they're they're firsthand seeing what's going on sure. rather than being in the studio and talking about what they've heard or what they've seen. These other people are now living it and seeing the. Um, the effects of what's happening. Yeah, you could you could definitely see it on on their faces and hear the even the tremor in their voice um, because they they were right there and they knew what was going on. You know, versus a politician who you know flies in for an afternoon and and just you know sort of gives the standard you know um, comforting you know talk, but uh, those are almost canned speeches in a way. Um, it's the rank and file people that really see what's going on and really respond to it. And I think that's one of the things too we'll talk about during the show is the idea of of leadership. I mean, really, what is leadership, and and how do we look 
to the people that we call leaders or other people call leaders, you know, what is it we really expect from them? And what is it we can expect from them? And, and even, I suppose, what is too much, you know, to expect from them? Those are all, those are all issues I think we, we can touch on as we talk. But I think the bottom line, and this has been said by many people, but the bottom line is the average human is at his or her best when things are at their worst. I mean, people step up, they get involved, they react. You know, like we saw in the shooting incident, incident in Las Vegas, where people were covering other people with their bodies and they ended up getting hit. People were dragging strangers off to safety, you know, amidst all this gunfire. You know, this is, this is when the nobility, I think, of the human spirit rises when we, when we aren't so self-ish, that we are selfless and that we can rise above this sense of, of our own being and our own security and realize that there's a greater thing happening around us that we have to participate in. And in that moment when we drop the importance of self, there's an elevation of spirit. And I think that this is often where what people might call heroic acts spring from. You know, that moment of selflessness, that moment of seeing the greater picture um, you can almost say the soul's vision, you know, versus the body's vision of itself, but the soul's higher vision of the being and what that being can and should do in the moment. I think these are outstanding things, and they happen all over the world in in these tragedies and violence and war. Um, we, we see it all the time. I, I remember, I don't know how many years ago, there was a, a whale trapped uh, in an inland, you know, ice area, and I think in Alaska, you know, and several nations, you know, who really don't get along with each other, including Russia and the United States, sent um, aid, you know, ships and people in there to free this whale, you know, and I thought to myself, why can't we, all the nations, work together for each other and for humanity in that same way, if they can all stop for a moment and drop their nonsense and opposition, you know, in politics to save a whale, why can't we all work together as human beings to preserve, you know, our, our, our goodwill nationwide throughout the whole earth, you know, to realize that we are a race of people. We spend far too much time dividing ourselves. And we do it even what people might call positive ways, you know, where somebody identifies themselves as a, oh, I'm a Californian, you know, you know, I'm a Hawaiian or whatever it might be. And then we have football teams or baseball teams and, and, you know, we identify with those teams and and separate ourselves from people supporting other teams. And it seems like in that sort of search for, um, I don't know, self-identity or some type of uh, pride perhaps, that we find ways that are actually more divisive than are inclusive. And that seems to be a human trait, a tribal well, identity, I, I guess. I, I think that what adds to that is this desensitizing and sense and what do I want to say, um, sensationalism of all of this negative stuff. And it just amplifies it and it keeps amplifying because it keeps getting fed. And instead of feeding it 
if we just turned around, like you've always said, the darkness cannot penetrate into light, but light can penetrate into darkness, right. is that we choose to bring back the sacredness of light and humanity with integrity, dignity, grace, and living in common cause with one another and allowing that to be it, 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 it's never happened in humanity. My my dream my dream one time was back in um, I think the early 80s. I thought um, I thought that there would be one world by now. I thought by the year 2000 it would be one world. We'd have one currency. We would be you know just living with each other and going here and and being a part of different cultures and it would just be phenomenal. But instead, it's reverted back. It's digressed back into, um, I think, um, very dangerous waters of uh, segregation. Whether it's it's um, wants it, it, whether it's a culture that wants self identity, um, or you know is is looking for, you know, screaming for recognition. Um, just to be human and to participate at the same level that everybody else is. How could we not grant that to human beings? I never understood that. Yeah. And my one world dream is gone because I will not <laughs> see that in my lifetime. No. The only one world it could be is, is something that's, that's a, dire, um, a dire situation of catastrophe, and I don't want to experience that. Well, you know, it's all about choices that people make, and it's all about default settings that people have. And I've been, I've been thinking a lot about that. The, you know, you were talking about light penetrating darkness, and even though we may not be able to, you know, draw together in these days and have a huge collective presence, you know, that generates light, um, we can do it with just drops of light, which are the everyday um, things we bring each other and to those around us, you know, that can can multiply and become that light piercing the darkness moment, you know, and, and not have these default settings. And what I mean by that is, you know, we're, we, we've all had the experience, whether it's in an email or a phone call or chatting with somebody, that people will misunderstand something you said or did. Uh, and then they'll interpret it in a negative way. It's like that default setting was rather than thinking, well, you know, I know that person, so I must really be misunderstanding you know, what I just thought or heard or somebody said. The default setting seems to be see the worst in other people right away. You know, think well, the worst yeah. of them rather than rather than stopping that default setting and saying, well, I heard this about so-and-so, but I know a lot of good things about that person. Maybe this is a misunderstanding. People don't seem to go there. They go to, really? Why? Well, I, I didn't know that they were like that, you know. And, that, and so the person becomes like that in their eyes simply because somebody said it was so. And these default settings, which are negative, just kick in. And I, I think that that's really well, part there, of the there's, problem. Well, there's some identity going on there with that. There's, and my feeling is that, and it is a feeling, that it is about fear, that fear, um, and it's triggered in people for different reasons. And so their response to that, I think, is filtered through that, unfortunately, because in, again, dire times, it's hard to stay grounded and stay uplifted mm-hmm. yes. when there's so much going on right. um, that feels like it's so heavy on us 
like there's no relief. There's no, um, there's no, I don't, uh, I don't want to be nihilistic, but people feeling like what is, when is the hammer dropping next? What is it going to bring? And yet we still have to go on with our lives. I mean, you and I have found that out in the last couple of years. I mean, our challenges have been overwhelming and rather than thinking, you know, because of our love and I think our spiritual practice and connection to the sacred is that it's, it's an endeavor, by the way. This is not an automatic thing. It takes effort. It, it takes vigilance to bring yourself to think in those ways, to have that viewpoint of the world that, that comes from that sacredness and that spirituality right. and that uplifting. You've got to keep doing what you can do and, and be that light and be that better example or role model that is, is, is there. And um, every single one of us can be that. Uh, it's magic. It's living magic. And don't, not giving up, not giving in. Right. Um, truly believing in um, your interconnectedness to the sacredness of all things. And what is that? How do we, how do we define sacredness? Well, we are going to go into that, and we're, we're going to go into ways, suggesting ways that, that we can reclaim the light and, and not be subject to these, these random acts that, that try to rob us of the one ultimate truth. And that truth is something that I see as this. The universe has no plans for our destruction. It only has plans for a successful spiritual evolution. But we have to partake in that. This isn't a given. It's offered, but we have to take that gift and we have to turn it around and share it with other people. Um, and, and that's the real test. You know, how do you react to things is, is really this idea of whether you're able to maintain sacredness or whether your default settings are, you know, always negative. Um, that negativity can grow, uh, just like the light can grow, the darkness can grow. And if we tend to have default settings, which are always, oh, yeah, you know, this isn't going to work, or, oh, I knew it uh, would happen, you know, whatever that might be, those are, those are almost prophecies, you know, of the gloom and doom rather than, you know, being in the light. And I'm not talking about positive thinking I'm not talking about skipping merrily, you know, through the meadow, ignoring, you know. Well, that's what I said. You have things. to work at it. But you have to have a, a center. Yeah. And that center should be sacredness. And we're going to talk a lot about sacredness. And, but we're also going to talk about these default settings. And one that I always use in my, um, some of my workshops to kind of show how we can be and, and how we have to check ourselves is this following little story. You know, suppose a person gets an unexpected check in the mail. You know, it might be a refund from the IRS, a mistake, or, you know, whatever it might be. You get this money, and let's say it's uh, um, $500. So you get this check, and you didn't expect it, and you're like, wow, you know, 500 bucks. And so then you think, okay, you know, I'm going to go down to the mall and shop because you know, I never have any extra money, but now I do. I'm going to jump in the car and head on down to the mall. You know, so you go out and you get in your car and you put the key in the ignition and you turn the key and the engine starts to choke and the car dies. 
So you call up a mechanic, get the mechanic to look at the car. He calls you back and says, not too bad, I can fix your car for $499.99. What is your reaction to that? Is your reaction to that shit? I knew it every time I get, I never get ahead. You know, I knew this was going to happen. Um, is, is that your reaction? Or is your reaction, you know what, what a blessing. Because I didn't have the $500 before my car just broke down. My car was going to break down anyway. The universe wasn't sitting there going, let's send Joe $500. And then he's going to try to go shopping. But when he gets in his car, we'll just ruin his engine. And we'll rob him of the $500. And, you know, it'll be funny. You know, the universe really isn't doing that to you. Although sometimes it certainly feels that way. I understand that. But that car was going to die anyway. And now you've got $500 that you don't need to borrow, you don't need to take a loan out on. You actually have enough to fix your car. It was a blessing. But how did you react to what happened? What was your default setting? And, and this is kind of what I'm talking about, but we need to look at the ways that we feel about things and interact with things. You know, um, We've had um, some, some pretty significant challenges ourselves over the last couple of years. In uh, 2015, Stephanie and I were in a near-fatal car accident, and our vehicle was totaled. In 2016, uh, I was diagnosed with terminal cancer in January of 2016, and given one to three months to live, and here it is uh, 18, 19 months out. Uh-huh. And, uh, and currently I'm cancer-free. And then we had uh, the fire here in 2017, which uh, devastated our, our house. And neither of those times did I ever feel, you know, woe is me, or look for any negative default settings. You know, I looked at what happened, tried to make whatever sense could be made out of it. And, uh, you know, Stephanie and I just, you know, put our spirituality into play and sought the sacredness within it because we didn't believe that these things were out to destroy us. So we looked for the spiritual mm, wind within it, and there was in each one of those incidences we were blessed and and came out in, in, in very positive and powerful transform transformative ways mm-hmm. of dealing with those situations. And those are those are pretty significant situations. So it's a choice. Um, it, it's really very easy to crumble under either any of those three things, um, particularly the cancer, because that can be and was you know, rather um, disquieting. Um, so you have to look for sacredness and what sustains you. And um, that's going to be the focus of the rest of this uh, show. All right. So <laughs> you want to take a little mini break and then come back and jump into what is sacredness? We could do that. We could take a little mini break and yeah, uh, listen to a song. I think we're going to play the first song is uh, Down the Bard, and I believe it was Cauldron Born, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe not. We shall see what uh, what what is what comes up here. Okay. So whatever that might be, please stay with us, and uh, we're going to get ourselves organized and back to a good discussion about what is sacredness, what is wholeness, 
and how can we be positive role models within our community?
welcome back to Seasons of the Witch with Raven and Stephanie Gramasi. And uh, tonight's topic is about sacredness uh, and um, wholeness and the idea of living your life through that perspective. Um, One of the things I did want to touch on, too, was what you had spoken about earlier in the show is the choices that we make Mm -hmm. about choosing how we want to spend our time, the words we want to choose to communicate, the actions that we take, and where those are all generated from. Um, you know, whether they're fear-based or love-based, I, I believe that there's those two polarities that face each other, and in the context of each of those words is defined different aspects of, of the persona responding to life. Mm-hmm. And Here's what I've said before, and I truly believe this, that these, a lot of these are all agreements of consciousness, that throughout our lives, through our experiences that we've had, the things that have happened, the obstacles we've overcome, the good, the elating and good things that have happened, um, the love that we felt, uh, the challenges that we've experienced, that those have all imprinted us with ways of viewing the world. But knowing, especially as a magic wielder or as a witch, a Wiccan, a pagan, that you have the ability to change those agreements of consciousness, that that doesn't have to be the way that you see the world, that you can shift those thoughts and your mindset um, into a different paradigm at any given time. And yes, you may have to reset it several times in order to get into the stream of mm-hmm. consciousness that mm-hmm. you really want to um, tap into. But I do, do believe it starts there with an awareness around conscious agreements that have been made throughout your life that either continue to serve you in the best way or that need to be released because they no longer serve you right. in the best way. Right. So anyway, let's get back to the topic at hand. First, we wanted to talk about sacredness and what is sacredness. And, uh, you know, normally when we uh, prepare for a show, you know, we, we, uh, we have a, a pretty uh, detailed outline and we kind of weave in and out of it, uh, just using it, you know, to lean just against like sometimes. <laughs> but uh, tonight's show, I wanted to be, we wanted it to be more organic, you know, more about spirit. So even though we do have, you know, our usual outline for the topic, um, I'm I'm going to try not to to follow it as ritual and and uh, just try to try to get the sense of spirit working through us tonight to 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 lend voice to um, to the show. So let's start off with the idea of you know what is sacred, uh, what is sacredness. A lot of uh, people that write on religious uh, studies and topics and uh, folklorist people. A lot of people who study ancient cultures. Um, the idea of sacredness from that perspective is something that's special, something that is unique, something that is set aside or separates us from the mundane. Um, so you, you know, some examples would be um, a church or a temple could be considered sacred because its usage is specific. To 
religion or spirituality, so it's not like the house down the street where people sleep and eat and watch TV and that type of thing. Um, that wouldn't be considered sacred in, in the view of, uh, of the religious spiritual writers. I know a lot of people in uh, New Age philosophy um, think of it in terms of everything sacred, you know, so so a person's house where they eat, watch TV, and do all their mundane things, they might see that as still sacred, and they might not see the church or temple down the street as anything, you know, more special than, you know, their house as far as sacredness goes. But really the model of sacredness is something that really does separate itself from something else. So sacredness is something you find, you don't create. This is an idea that uh, I, I believe the writer Merced Iliad or Iliad Merced, I can't remember at the moment, um, a writer on religious studies, um, talks about this idea that our ancestors discovered sacredness, they found sacredness, and when they did, they marked it. They marked it with standing stones or a circle of stones or in some way um, delineated it. In some way said, here is the boundary of sacredness. Um, so our ancestors didn't have that model that literally everything is sacred. Um, and I think the examples I've used in the past, you know, was like Stonehenge, you know, where they had to move these multi-ton blocks of stone down to mark out the area of Stonehenge. Um, so they dug these rocks from these quarries, you know, hundreds of miles away, and then, you know, in primitive times had to somehow get them down and then erect them. Um, a monumental feat, probably even today, it would be a monumental feat with our technology. But why did they do that? You know, if it was just about erecting stones. the stones yeah. and, and having the pattern of stones at Stonehenge, why not do that just a few feet away from the quarry so that you don't have to drug, drag a uh, tons of stone, you know, miles and miles and miles. So the idea there that there was something special about the area in which that was set up. And then you can even break that down into why was it there? Why not 100 feet, you know, down the road or up the road? Or, you know, why did they actually pick that specific site? And we can say because they held that to be sacred for whatever reason. So sacredness is something that you find and sense. You sense there's a difference there. There's an emanation. There's something that happens in that area that doesn't seem to happen elsewhere. Um, now today we have this um, technique that we often see, especially in public uh, festivals, um, where they will create sacred space. And so they'll go in and decide to uh, cast a circle and, and cast uh, set create set uh, sacred space in, in that area. It's at the boundary, right. or, or they make it the whole event. You know, they encompass all the right. land of the park or whatever. Right. Which, you know, which differs a little bit in that philosophy because it isn't, it isn't, it isn't pre-deciding that that area is sacred and therefore we'll gather at it. The idea seems closer to because we are gathering and we come together as a spiritual slash religious people that we will create sacredness for the event, that we will consider this a sacred event. And I think that that mindset is more what that's really about than creating sacredness. I mean, like, say, the sacredness of Stonehenge, that it doesn't pre-exist and we mark it. We go in and mark it and then say it exists. And that's a little 
different philosophy. Well, I, I almost think that in terms of what you're talking about when they do that, going to, let's say, a hotel or something, that they're really consecrating right. the space for a specific use over time. And does that consecration equal sacredness? Well, there's a big debate there, you know. And, yeah. uh, but I would agree with you. I would think it's more consecrating, uh, you so, know, making it... Although we do we do mark it out, and so that does separate it from the mundane, so it still has that that sort of sub-definition to it as, as sacredness. But can you create sacredness, you know, or does sacredness pre-exist and you acknowledge it? Well, again, I, the, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a disagreement of consciousness is what right. it is, because when you have 2,000 people in a hotel and everybody's there for the same purpose and that intention has been filtered through, um, you know, well enough into the um, gathering, the attendees, that it does, there are certain um, agreements of consciousness that occur there, and there's things that won't happen there because of that, and or things will happen there because of that. I was thinking that. I was thinking I have seen sacredness in moments at festivals. You know? I've seen people, and I've seen the sacredness in what they did and the way they did it, you know, so there's, there's sacredness taking place there, which, which is interesting. It makes me, you know, think about all these definitions. Well, that's why I asked you earlier, what, what is the difference between living the sacredness right. and then participating in a sacred event right. or, yeah. or, you know, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think that they're both, you know, they both have their truths. I mean, to, to me, when we do our, we have a, a room that's dedicated strictly to our, our altars. And so we go in there and we do our daily alignments. We do our, our prayers and our, you know, and so there's a sacredness. And I would consider that room to emanate sacredness. Did it pre-exist as a sacred site? No. But we're feeling sacredness in um, what collecting. Well, I was going to say, by, viewing, by our acts yeah, in there. You know, so, yeah. you know, the, it seems to be that sacredness can be generated to the point where maybe then it saturates the area and then that area actually becomes sacred. You know, you're no longer imbuing it to make it sacred. It's already sacred because of the uh, acts and then, it, it, then it's sensed as sacred. I think people, we noticed that with our temple back in the old house where people would come in, they would immediately sense they go, whoa, you know, because we had years of dedicating and working in ritual and prayer. That room began to emanate that, that essence. But then it makes me think about what is holy, you know, because I've always thought that holy is different than sacredness or sacred. To me, holy, like a holy object, is something like, um, you know, somebody may have a visitation, you know, we see this in, like in Catholic things where the uh, Virgin Mary will appear and drop a rose or a rock or a shell maybe is there and, and that people believe it came from her. So that would be a holy object because it came from something that people might consider to be holy itself. So it's an extension. Whereas I think sacredness is a little different than you can have a sacred object and you can have a holy object, but I think they would be two different things. I think when you consecrate your ritual tools and you devote, say, your wand in service to deity, and in that service it becomes imbued with that interfacing with deity, and then I think that tool actually becomes sacred. 
um, it, it begins to generate a sacredness because of what it's connected to. So maybe that gets closer to the definition of what sacredness is. It's what it's connected to. Well, I was just reading that holiness in, a, in its, in its um, dictionary mm-hmm. definition is generally the term used in relationship to persons and relationships, while sacredness is used in re- relation to objects, places, or happenings. Mm. Which is very interesting. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Like a saint would be holy, but the book is sacred. Oh. That's an interesting way of looking at it as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So I guess, you know, just like um, things in general, there's many facets to <laughs> various concepts and it depends on which facet you're looking at that's reflecting life back to you that that is your perspective of the the greater crystal so well um, and, and i want to say something else too that that um we raven and i are looking at this um topic from the witch's point of view of course sure. Um, the old world which point of view and when i say old world which point of view that means traditional that means that tradition is important, that the tenets and um, the ways are sacred, <clears throat> and we use them in our everyday world. Now, don't get me wrong, ever ancient, ever new is our motto. However, our, our uh, core starts at, from that point of view, yeah. from the old way. So, as a witch, um, I was thinking about the different ways that witches express themselves and how they see their craft and how they see or define what they do. Um, for instance, I, I am now of the firm belief that not every witch believes in spirituality. I believe that there are some that only wield the idea of, of magic and sorcery. And um, right. I'm talking about witches, not, um, there's, a, there's a broad band here, sweeps. And by the way, um, anything we say here tonight is not meant to defend, defile, <laughs> demean, diminish anyone for any reason. We're just talking here, you know. So I don't want anybody to take offense to anything that we're saying because we're not, our headspace is never like that. No. Our headspace is never negative and mean-spirited or directed in a way that is to diminish anyone. We're just not those kinds of people. Um, even at our, our worst, what people might think is our worst, we would never be those kind of people because we are traditionalists. Well, our default settings aren't, aren't you know, the immediate negative. I mean, I when somebody says or does something that upsets me or, you know, I think was, you know, out of line. mean-spirited or out of line or was an outright lie, you know, my first reaction is to, to want, is to think about how did they misunderstand something, you know, rather than thinking, oh, what an asshole. You know, that's not my first reaction. My first reaction is, I wonder why they thought that way. I wonder what misunderstanding they have. But then if at the end I discover that it, you know, wasn't a misunderstanding at all, it's just that they chose to be mean-spirited, chose to lie for personal gain, or, you know, whatever it might have been, you know, then that's a different issue of how I will view them. But my default settings aren't always 
that way. So even if somebody that I know very well tells me, you know, that so-and-so said this or did that, I don't automatically accept it as ultimate truth. More often than not, I'll go to that person and ask them, you know, did you say that? Did you, you know, because I really want to know from the person. But far too many people, you know, if you know somebody and you like them or whatever, if they tell you something about another person, far too many people will believe it automatically because it came from someone they know um, and maybe think highly of, you know. But but we, I think we have to be smarter than that, you know. We... We have to understand that everybody, even our closest friends and loved ones, may not always be seeing things clearly. Um, and so I think balance is really, really important. Now, as far as sacredness goes, too, I'm, I'm just sort of looking at, at the outline, and I, I wrote down something without violation, something we wouldn't violate um, because we, we, we regard it as sacred. You know, like, for example, if I'm, you know, sitting you know, at the table or whatever, and I get crumbs on, you know, my my leg or something, I might brush them off on the floor, either absentmindedly or intentionally, um, and they'll fall onto the floor, and it's the dining room, so I'm figuring, okay, you know. But I wouldn't do that in, in a sacred site. You know, if I was at Stonehenge, I wouldn't throw a, you know, a sandwich wrapper on the ground, or nor would I take my sacred ritual dagger and... and, and uh, cut a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in half, you know, these are things that, there are things that are sacred, and, and sacredness involves treating it in a certain way, and, and having it for that use, like my ritual dagger is meant for magic and meant for ritual, you know, it's not meant for, you know, cutting a sandwich in half, or, you know, picking pebbles out of the tracks in my shoes, you know, it's, there's a sacredness to it, and I think that sacrilege comes in uh-huh. when people decide uh-huh. to defame sacredness. They decide to make a mark against sacredness, whether it's defacing a tombstone, which I would say is sacrilege, uh-huh. you know, spray painting graffiti on Stonehenge, um, you know, going to a holy well and, you know, you know, throwing a piece of garbage in, you know, uh, pouring the rest of your coke out down the well. <laughs> You know, these are things that that I would have a strong reaction to because I regard this as sacred, and there's a certain things you don't do to things that are sacred. And so I'm suggesting that we begin to try and see each other as sacred, to try and see each other as souls, flawed though they may be, um, and that your first instinct should not be to to berate that person or defame them or think negative or accept the gossip said about them, but to pause for a moment and think about sacredness and think about what 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 is the other truth behind that? What what's what's going on here? Um, and look for sacredness at the center of it. It's there. Um, because the first casualty in any conflict is always the truth itself. So sacredness needs to be our default setting, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, And if we can all do that, um, we can change the, um, what would you say, the momentum of evil. We can change the growing gloom and darkness of evil. Like Stephanie was saying earlier, light penetrates darkness, but darkness cannot penetrate light unless you let the light go out by itself. There was an old... uh, 
example of, you know, if you have two rooms separated by a wall, and one room is, is sealed and pitch black, and the other room has bright lights in it. If you punch a hole in the wall, what you'll find is that a, a beam of light will penetrate into the dark room. If you're in the dark room, you'll actually see a beam of light entering into the darkness. But if you're in the lighted room, you won't see a beam of darkness entering the light room from the dark side mm -hmm. because darkness cannot penetrate light, but light can penetrate darkness. Light only goes out when you let it go out. Darkness can be dispelled with a simple beam of light. So that one beam coming from each of us is sufficient to diminish the darkness. And if we add all those beams of light together and start trying to see each other in better ways, to recognize the divinity within each other, the namaste type philosophy, um, to penetrate the darkness. It may even help those people who actually can be dark individuals, dark-hearted individuals, um, to maybe climb out of that darkness and begin to see the sacredness within themselves that perhaps they've forgotten you know, due to life circumstances that have uh, closed the light off to them. Um, and there are people, you know, Stephanie and I have people who, you know, attack us all the time and say mean-spirited things about us and misrepresent us and lie about us, but we can't let that be the thing that we see and think about all the time. We, we, we try to then, you know, just sort of walk away from that. If there's something that can be said that could help that individual uh, better understand uh, their misunderstanding to correct that mis representation will do it, but often you can't. The person's just so mired in where they want to come from and what they want to be and their agenda and all this stuff. Sometimes you can't reach them with light, but that doesn't mean that you turn off your light, you know, in general. You still try to stay being the type of person that you're being, always looking for the sacredness and, and not looking to embrace um, the darkness. I, I just you know, I'm, I've been called such a mamsy-pamsy, you know, <laughs> witch and other names that are ridiculous. Because if you call me those names, you really don't know me. But my inherent nature is to want to understand people and their choices that they make, especially when they affect me. And oftentimes... There's no reconciling that because mm -hmm. the other party is unavailable and wants does not want anything other than Concept. that's correct well, and, and out of fear. Okay. I mean, to me, why, why, why? I mean, yeah. there's there's nothing that can't be communicated and some kind of resolution come to. It's ridiculous um, in this day and age with all that goes on. But I think also that. Um, along with the internet and um, all the other uh, media that are available to us, that it's desensitized people okay. to other people's feelings. I mean, to just just dismiss other people's feelings constantly and make yours the only thing that counts right. um, is to isolate yourself. Well, it's shutting off. And, shutting and off to, well, you know, the thing is, uh, you know... And like, that is isolating. Right. It can sure, be. Sure, it's like, yeah, because then darkness grows and isolates you. But well, because, the, no, the, well, the because it is, just feeds, but it feeds that darkness. It doesn't... Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't what I just said. Yeah. 
But, you know, the thing is, like, what you just said, that is true about you. you your first reaction to anyone attacking you, misrepresenting you, or lying about you is why. You always ask why. That's your, that's your default setting. You'll say why, and that's not a negative thing. You don't immediately attack the person. You don't, you don't call them names and stuff. Your first thing is why would they say that? Why would they do that? Everyone. I think that's a higher thing. I think that's a high spirit thing. Every, to stop and say why would they do that? You well, always do that. Every relationship has a story. Yeah. Every, I have my story about my relationships, too. And, um, but I think that's a noble thing. I think for you to stop and ask why as the first thing that enters your mind, I, I think that's, that's, a, that's a very noble thing rather than just lashing out at somebody. You want to understand why they thought or said that, and I think that's pretty cool. Well, I, I don't particularly like people to feel negativity about me. It's not that I need them to like me, but right. if there's something that's going on that, that has taken away from their view of me in some way, um, to not be able to communicate about that is not right. really, I'm so justice-oriented. I'm a, I'm a triple sad. Yeah. What can I say? But, you know, you try to understand your opponent. Because I love everybody. Yeah, but a lot of people don't. They'll just, they'll just stay in an attack mode. They don't stop to think about the opponent's point of view, where you do. And then you try to integrate it and make some sense of it. Um, and, and so this is part of the sacred walk, as far as I'm concerned. That sacredness calls for that greater vision. It doesn't, sacredness doesn't call for berating people, attacking them, thinking the worst of them, lying and misrepresenting. You know, that's not sacredness. That's darkness. Sacredness is that other, that other thing to stop and ask like you do, why? And to try and understand where that person was coming from. That doesn't always mean that there's no action taken because eventually, even though you may, mis- you may understand why somebody's doing something, that doesn't necessarily give them the right to keep doing it. You know what I mean? I mean, you can understand why your neighbor keeps throwing, you know, stuff in your yard from their perspective, but that doesn't mean that you have to allow garbage to pile up in your yard. Right. right. You know, but the beginning thing is, why are you doing this? That would be the first question. Why are you throwing trash in my yard? Mm-hmm. You know, rather than, look, he threw a trash in my yard, let's throw trash back in his yard, you know. Well, that's, you go, that's, what, that's the default setting, though. Yeah. And, and this is what I'm talking about right now. I think a lot of people are on edge and are fearful because of the um, situation in the world. Right. And um, I think that it is frightening. I mean, mm-hmm. that, but that's where why you have to go to your sacred place, right. why you have to... Right. Stay focused on that, and 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 there. And not be in La La Land. It's not about being in La La Land. No. It's about stepping forward with the best foot you possibly can at any given time. Right, because that's energy, and sacredness to me is connecting to something greater than ourselves. If we connect daily to something greater than ourselves, then the world's problems begin to diminish because there is something greater than even the world's problems. And all the world leaders, there is a consciousness, a divine consciousness, which is greater than, than all the nonsense that's taking place on this planet. And we have to collectively raise sacredness so that that connection to divinity allows it to have a channel to flow stronger and stronger into the world of today. Um, I always think about the metaphysical principle that when people die, their souls 
go back to the community of souls and they upload their life experience into the divine consciousness. And that the divine consciousness then becomes all-knowing about what's going on everywhere because souls are releasing their lifetime experiences constantly into the divine mind. And then the divine mind can make a correction in its creation and what is happening in its creation. I think this is why every now and then avatars are born into this world. Ascended masters or whatever you want to call them, you know, uh, Buddha, Krishna, Jesus, who, you know, whoever you want to, you know, Gandhi, uh, uh, Martin Luther King, you know, whatever, that these souls come back, and I think they're directed by the greater divine in response to what's happening. And so the the divinity isn't an absentee uh, landlord, you know, um, living at a distance. It, it can actually come in and try to correct what's happening in this world. And I think despite how gloomy things look and despite the lack of leadership that we're seeing um, almost everywhere and, and just this weird mindset that all our politicians have, you know, based in greed and, and uh, personal agendas and all these things, you know, they've forgotten why they're there. Um, they're there to serve. They're not, I still want to get up on that. Yeah. But divinity can and is countering that, but it relies upon each of us to be a channel. If we close that channel, if we go to our negative default settings, we make it much harder for divinity to flow into this world and make the necessary changes. And on on that note... My little soapbox. That was a good soapbox. On that note, we're going to take another break, and um, we'll be back. After this song, which we're playing um, by the group Fawn, which is out of Germany, and um, fabulous music. And mm-hmm. this song is, I, I believe that it's Iduna. Um, so let's, let's give a listen to that, and we'll be right back. When we come back, we'll be talking about wholeness versus fragmentation.
welcome back to Seasons of the Witch with the Grimaces. That would be Raven and Stephanie, of course. And um, we just were talking about sacredness, and um, now we want to add a part to that, and that is wholeness, that wholeness without fragmentation and what that means. And it ties in a little bit with, um, you know, I meant to talk more about, you know, how we stay in our sacredness and, and before we went to break, but I think I can segue into wholeness with, uh, with that. Because part of sacredness is taking a moment, and it can just be a brief moment or it can be as long as you want it to be, daily to, to connect with sacredness. To affirm that, you know, in the morning, say, for example, maybe you light a candle and you acknowledge the divinity within you. You acknowledge that you were created by that which created the universe. Because whatever created everything, you're part of that. So you have within you um, the spark or flame of the source of all things. You are the offspring of the source of all things. So you make some kind of acknowledgement. I acknowledge my higher self or I acknowledge within myself, the soul. How about as above, so below? You know, yeah. Just make some type of acknowledgement and then make a um, an affirmation for the day, you know, that today I will, you know, uh, strive to see um, things in a positive light. Um, I will strive to see, um, I, will, I will strive to understand before I react. I will strive to understand before I judge. Um, just something like that. And that, that pulls you back into the sacredness of the day will be about my understanding, not about my reactions, not about my fears, not about my judgments, but my understanding today will, that's what I will try to do. And I think that that's a way to step into sacredness and then leave your home and go out and, and try to be that in your daily life. Yeah, I was going to say that I think it's, not to con- uh, contradict you, but to say, um, rather than I'm not going to judge or I'm not going to... No, I'm going to seek understanding first. Well, no, what I'm saying is you don't even need to say the I'm not going to part. You're just going to say, I'm going to. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to, you know, discern things as they come my way. I'm going to discern my reactions to conversation. I'm going to discern my reactions to events or situations. And you know, come from that uh, enchanted worldview or come from that, you know, the perspective that I want to gain more empowerment from, you know, that type of thing. I'm just saying, right. making it positive, 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 and not even mentioning the negative part of that. Yeah, I suppose you'd have to customize it, you know, to... See how the man and woman think? This is a very good example of that. Mm. Well, see, right now I'm applying my, my understanding of what you said. Yeah, no, no, I, th- I, I think it's good. I'm just, I'm just pointing it out. I will but try to understand what she meant by that. I Let it then react to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll react to it after the show's over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, one thing that uh, is important is striving to be whole, uh, looking at being whole unto yourself. Now, some people can miss view that as um, being selfish. And there's a difference between claiming your wholeness and being selfish. And here's the way that I, I think about that. Um, some people, and this happens a lot with parents in particular, 
but people in relationships often will be involved in so many things going in so many directions that they're just giving and giving and giving and taking little if, if any time at all for themselves and so they're really giving from their fragmentation they're giving from the pieces which are flying everywhere and here's a piece for you um, and it's not coming from their wholeness and I thought about that and I thought you know the people that we love and care for really deserve our wholeness they really deserve us giving to them from our wholeness and not from our fragmentation because giving them a fragment almost seems um, demeaning in some way it's, it's not really worthy um, so sometimes you have to pull in and find ways to make yourself whole first whole and healthy before you interact with people in relationships so take time you know away just tell whoever you know i need five minutes and go close the door somewhere and and try to find yourself whether you know it's lighting the candle making some affirmation or if it's just you know soaking in in the tub and having you know 10 or 15 minutes where no one's going to interrupt you or you arrange for no one to interrupt you but take time for yourself nurture yourself and get yourself strong and get yourself healthy um, when you're in that headspace, what comes out of your heart and what comes out of your mouth and everything else is, is from wholeness. It's, it's really from a healthy self-identity. You know, when you don't have that, you know, then you get into saying mean-spirited things or saying things begrudgingly or, you know, um, from frustration. Or, well, because those are the parts that are missing from you. Yeah. So that's that's exactly why, I mean that's that's typically what happens is those are the parts that be, that are being spoken to, in the external way, and if you're wanting to um, change the patterns of your life and incur the benefits, you know, of mm-hmm. living that wholeness and sacredness, then you will become consciously aware of those things and start. Changing those patterns, right. changing those conscious agreements, because yeah. that's as simple as it is. And it is a process. It isn't an overnight event that happens and all of a sudden you're whole. It's, no. something, it's something that you have to become aware of and work at, yes. Yeah. And Absolutely. And, and you benefit every day by a practice or, um, you know, um, anything that you do that sets you into a ley line that is really going to bring you the kind of life that you really want to enjoy. Right. The communication is really important. Like, you know, with for Stephanie and myself, we we wear many hats and so we're always busy dealing, you know, with the course of study or with the workshops or the radio show or my writing and, and the store and all these different things um, that fill our daily life. But, you know, we need each other throughout the day, you know, to bounce something off or to have a look at this or help with that. But we'll say to each other, you know, when we when we call upon each other, we'll typically say, well, right now I have to finish this. And then as soon as I'm done with that, you know, um, I'll, I'll, you know, come and just that or the other thing, if you can't drop it at the right. moment. Of course. And I think that that communication both acknowledges the other person and that what they need is, and want is important to you but also saying I have to finish what I'm doing in my, you know, for my own sense of wholeness 
to complete that and then move on, you know, unless it's an emergency, obviously. But I think that these ways, these are ways of reclaiming and strengthening your sense of wholeness, what I need to be doing now versus what I need to do to help you. They can both be done, but let's put them in the order. Um, and I think those are healthy ways of playing in wholeness rather than well, snapping at each other, you know. And I think that goes back again to the idea of traditional living in etiquette. Etiquette to me is an important part of respecting another individual, no matter who they are, whether they're a child, they're a friend, a family member, a spouse, um, an elder. It doesn't matter that common courtesy and respect Mm -hmm. should be shown. And if you're not able to draw upon that immediately, then the best thing you can do is just, you know, walk away. Um, If you're not able to, you know, draw that into yourself, um, so that right. you, you don't have to participate in something that's reactive rather than participate in it. Yeah, and I think sometimes, you know, we can get caught up in, and it's, we all do this as part of our humanness, but we can get caught up in moments in which, you know, something makes us feel unimportant. You know, we all want to feel that we're valued, and you know, by, by our spouse, by our friends, by our family, whatever it might be, our, our boss. But there are times when we feel neglected or we feel, um, you know, that people don't appreciate us or whatever that might be. And that comes from our fragmentation, too. To, to, to try and find your place is really important. To, to know where your place is. And I'm not talking that in a, a downputting way, like, you know, know your place, you know. I'm talking about honoring the place that you're at in the moment. You know, um, that places serve you and they also serve other people. You know, uh, when I used to work for other people, um, I would go to my place of employment and I had a place there. I had anything that I was expected to do. And I, I, I didn't see it as me, you know, being minimized by my boss because this is my task. You know, I knew that that was my place and I gave from my wholeness as that employee to the place I worked at, to my boss, whatever it might have been. Um, and, and there were times when, yeah, sure, you don't feel appreciated or, you know, you feel picked on or your boss was in a bad mood. But as long as you can honor within yourself knowing your job and, and your place and what it is you're going to do and not let other people make you feel bad about that or insufficient about that, it's all about claiming wholeness. So no one can make you feel unimportant. They can only poke at some part of you which is feeling that yourself. And um, you have to you have to push that away and go back to wholeness and say no, I'm not seeing myself in that diminished role. I'm seeing myself in the necessity of my role in the moment. I think that's a much healthier way of looking at what's I going did. on. And you know what I feel like right now? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like um, doing that little alignment that uh, or that little chant. What chant is that? Oh, the, to, uh, to, to give people something to bring them back into mm, that if they get thrown off. That, that's true, yeah. That this is a perfect way to do it because I right. do it I do it all the time and I don't do it at my altar. I can be doing it right. walking through the grocery store because right. I'm annoyed at something and, and it has nothing to do with the external world but something has triggered me and I'm reacting to it and so right. to bring me back into... Right. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like the... And, and I, I was, I'm oh. thinking the bone from yeah. the Buddhists, you know, where... Right. If you have a negative thought or you're meditating and, and nonsense is running into your head, 
So do the om sound, om, you know, to push away the contrary energy, I suppose, you know. In our uh, tradition, we we have a uh, tonal, which is the letters E-A-O, that we do to return to sacredness, to return to, like if there's a group of us doing something, we'll do the E-A-O chant to bring us into a group mind, the one consciousness. Um, If I'm disturbed about something, I will do the E-A-O tonal to restore myself to the resonance of spirituality that I want to carry. Um, that's well, returning to my wholeness, returning to sacredness. Right. It, it brings you back to that moment of where right. you can begin again. Yeah. And, and and every time you've ever done the, the Ao sound in any temple or ritual or meditation, it, there's a momentum behind it that's stronger than the thing that's trying to throw you off balance, and it pushes it away. It actually creates an environment in which the other thing cannot exist. It that can't is exist a magical formula. The resident, yeah, exactly. to push to to whatever else you want to replace with something, you That's have to right. have something to push it out rather than right. trying to create a space for it to go. So we'll share that with you um, here on the show and um, try it. See uh, when you're feeling an unrest or you're feeling um, disharmony or you're down or whatever the case may be, um, try the tonal. It, it, it's a very, very old tonal. We didn't create this. Um, and it's been passed on in various systems. So it has a resonance and a momentum from the past of its own. So it works because it's always been working. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tap into it yourself now and benefit from it. Uh, so. This is the... We're going to do it together. We're going to do it together. Okay. And so we got to find our harmony. So... vibration to oh, within yeah. my body that feel it in your body. yeah absolutely it, body. it changes the resonance it really does push away um things you know and you can do that you know in your head you do that at work you know just quietly within your head or you can slip off down the hall and, and and do it verbally but in the beginning i think you should actually do it out loud because it creates a vibration mm-hmm. voice and tone um, creates a vibration the vibration affects your physical being because your body's resonating with the vibration from your throat. And then your spirit is pulled in to that vibration. And then your mind is pulled into that vibration. And so the EAO um, is a tonal that will bring you back into sacredness. And you can use it in all settings. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, I really, yeah, I really like that. So where are we now? We've moved from talking about sacredness and wholeness. And um, then we'll sort of bring it down now into a little bit more mundane. And that's, you know, what can we all do to be a positive influence in our community? Um, and, and there are many, many things we can do. And um, it, it's kind of and funny. Should do. And should do. Um, but it's kind of funny, you know, I was, um, when I was thinking about putting this workshop together, 
I remembered a book I, I read years and years and years ago. I don't know if I've ever talked about this on my show or not. What workshop? What workshop? And you're putting this workshop together. Oh, I'm sorry. Radio show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I do workshops all the time, but I guess I'm thinking workshop. Everything I do is a workshop. <laughs> I just um, wanted to clarify yeah, no, that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I wanted to be on the right page. Good catch. Good catch. <laughs> um, so when I'm thinking about putting this radio show together, um, I was thinking about a book that I read a long time ago, and I think the title of it was Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And um, a lot of people probably didn't really appreciate that book as much, uh, perhaps, as I did. But I thought about it, and it is the basics that you learn, you know. Um, don't hurt someone. Don't take something that doesn't belong to you. Don't be mean, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, cooperate. Uh, play nicely, you know. Um, all of these things, you know, um, that really are the basics of how tribes started out. I mean, we became tribal people because, you know, we realized we needed each other. We needed each other for survival, um, defense, you know, camaraderie, uh, socialization. And in that, we realized that in order for there to be peace within the tribe, you had to get along. And getting along had really basic rules. Um, and I think that we we've forgotten uh, collectively, you know, a lot of those lessons. Um, And too often, like on Facebook, social media in general, people can be really mean-spirited and nasty, and they go on rants, and they they want to berate and pull people down, and and, and I guess they feel that elevates them when they can climb up on someone and, you know, pounce upon them. And that that really um, is not a positive influence. And every time we read... You know, you go on to Facebook or whatever social media forums that you like, and you have your cup of coffee, and you're feeling generally okay, and you think, hey, I think I'll pop in and see what's going on. You know, so then you do, and you read a few things, maybe by friends, and you think, oh, that's cool, you know, Joe's doing this, Mary's doing that. And then all of a sudden, there's somebody who's got some really nasty thing to say, or they want to rant about this or that, or, you know, they, they want to share their blues with you or, you know, whatever it might be, um, in a way that that begins to change us. Um, and it begins to pull us down collectively. So I think we have to be more mindful. Not only, I mean, it's, it's fine to share things on social media, you know, with your friends and what's going on in your life and whatnot. But I think also being mindful of the impact that we're having um, you know, is is a more positive way of sharing. You know, like for example, you know, I've seen things I've gone on, and in my stream, someone will pop up, and and someone will want to say, you know, I give up. You know, I I just want to kill myself and and climb in a hole, and that's all they say. You know, so your your immediate reaction is like, oh shit. You know, so your whole energy is changing. You know. Um, Rather than maybe coming on and saying, you know, I don't want to, you know, bum anybody out, but I'm feeling a little bit low today and want everybody to know I could use some, you know, some uh, hugs or, or friendly words, you know, that that's a different way of entering into that energy. So I think we need to be mindful about how we're causing people to feel in general. But that is, that, I hate, I don't want to, I don't want to bring you down on a bummer, mister. However... <laughs> That, that is the whole nut right there, is that 
there are people that don't want to do that. They use social media for this purpose. What, for drama? Yes, and that, that is, oh. that's what I was saying there's earlier. Well, there. that's what I was saying about being a witch, you know. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's people like us who um, are witches and uh, have practiced for many years, and our core of who and what we are comes from a spiritual nexus. But there's other witches that I'm not going to say they're not spiritual, but they're the, the, the nexus that they come from is not geared in the same way. They, um, their paradigm is different in the way they choose to use their craft. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the same. And so that, that is where the two come together and can't seem to meet because the purpose of their witchcraft is entirely different. Right. And so they're, you right. know, they what feel that they're... What them is different anymore than right. what they think about. Right, right. And, and that's where the questioning, the idea I was thinking about being a witch is like, well, is that, I mean, really, what what is that? What is that? Why why would somebody as a witch think that that's the way like to show people that you're a witch or you're badass mm, or no. you're a bitch or you're this or you're <laughs> right, that right. by attacking be proud of that. I'm proud that I'm a bitch, you know. Well, yeah. and, and, and 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 doing what they do in representing themselves as a witch, is that what a witch is all about? I mean, well, that's certainly not who I am. And I would never do that. And especially never on a on a public forum, and I don't care what anybody says about me in that, but whatever you want to say is fine. Right. Um, but it, it, it puzzles me in that way because you have so many factions, so many voices, um, and I do see more people now saying that, that people on social media should mind their own business. Right. And that means tending to your own house. And not picking on other people. And, and, and building yourself up and empowering yourself yeah. with the things that are, are positive and contribute yeah. something that moves us forward. Well, that's the key right there. I mean, that's the positive influence in our community. If we can present ourselves, you know, as people who are looking for gainful, productive, and beneficial things, you know, as opposed to berating people, speaking ill of people, you know, calling people out on this and that, you know, that these aren't, that does not serve a positive influence on the community. What serves a positive influence on the community is to be someone who wants to uplift other people, uplift, uplift themselves as well, speak, you know, good about themselves, speak good about others, to look for positive ways to empower other people. Um, That's what I'm saying. Even when you want to express something that's troublesome in your life, you can do it without pulling people into something negative about it. But that's where spirituality comes in. Exactly. If you're not in that mindset, you can't communicate in those terms. So we're calling for people to return to sacredness. You know, back in the 60s, I was just thinking when you were talking about it, types of witches, you know, we used to say there were white witches, gray witches, and black witches, you know. That was our thing back in the 60s, and a white witch was some, a witch who, who, who would never cast any 
spell on a person other than you know something good like a love spell or a prosperity spell they they didn't really even defend themselves against attacks you know they just were always in this sort of white witch always doing good and never seeing any other way of going about anything and then we have the gray witch which was for the most part a white witch but was willing to defend herself or himself and would do spells that they felt were necessary and then we define the black witch as one who's just all about themselves. They only cared about themselves. They only cared about, you know, their world. And if you didn't comply with them, if you didn't support them, they would attack you. They would berate you. You know, they would say negative things about you simply because you didn't agree with them or you looked at them funny and they didn't like it or they think that you did something to them so they're going to try to destroy you in the community. You know, that's what we called the black witch back in the day. And I, I moved away from those definitions, you know, through the decades that passed. But now that you're saying that, it kind of reminds me a little bit of these categories, you know, of the yeah, white witch, the gray witch, yeah. and the black witch. You know, and that, are they all witches? Um, or does, is witchcraft something you can define by behavior? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, anymore. no, I don't think so. I don't think, I think no on both accounts. I don't think, I don't like those terms. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't use those terms in labeling people. Um, and I would never, um, I would never suggest that someone is not spiritual because I don't know them. Right. I don't. I, I mean, I know you are, and I know some of my friends are, and um, you know how I am about spirituality. <laughs> 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 I mean, I'm so hardcore about endeavoring to step up to be. Um, the higher self, and I fail at it. I'm not perfect, um, but no, I would, do. but I would own what I what I fail at. Um, mm-hmm. Given the chance to uh, be able to speak to things that other people think that I have said, done, did, um, perpetrated, uh, whatever. Failed to do whatever. Yeah, yeah, failed to do exactly, right. exactly. Um, and even in those discussions, it may not satisfy anybody. It may not give them what they want. But as I said, everybody has a story. Yep. And that's just the way it is. That is the way it is. So um, I'm going to uh, say let's take another break, a half hour. We'll come back. We're going to finish up. We may be ending a little early tonight. Um, I've got a few announcements I'd like to make. And, we'll do that um, at the end, yeah. and also there was, oh yeah, something else I asked you to do too. Uh, we'll be coming back right after this song, which I believe is uh, going to be, um, let me just look real, real quick. Uh, let's see. It's going to be Spiral Dance and Fairy Tales. Mm. So here we go. We'll be right back after this beautiful song. Long they hold 
together in ancient song, waiting for the spring to set them free by oak and dash and rowan tree. And they dance all night till the sun does rise and spread its beams across the skies. Then they'll speak their secrets wise in the arms of the great stone circle. And if we go around with a shin, there's fairy folk who live within it. Nine times round you must start to spin in the arms of the great stone circle. Night, light, a fire in the night, jump through the flames, do a thing smart bright. See the world through open sides in the arms of the great stone circle. And uh, we were just talking about, again, um, about positive influences and uh, being good role models within community. Right. Making, making the effort, you know, to change our negative responses and, and maybe negative ways that we phrase things. You can still express. We can still express ourselves, but I think we need to be more mindful about how our words affect other people. Um, Especially you, being magic users. I yeah. mean, if you believe yeah. that Energy. that thoughts, exactly, right. that, that thoughts and, uh, take form and, you know, duh. Now, some of um, our listeners may not know that prior to me uh, becoming a, a, an author, um, I was actually uh, working psych field, that I was a, um, a counselor. Uh, and mainly for substance abuse and alcohol, alcohol and drug abuse yeah. counselor, but I also counseled families that were dealing with um, the addict uh, in, in their family structure. You know, So a lot of it was talking about the dynamics of people working with each other. One of the things that was big back in the day uh, of counseling was the idea of separating the behavior from the person. So not seeing what they were doing as representative of who that person truly is at the core. Um, 
after years of working in the psych field, I, I kind of abandoned that because I realized that in some cases that there were people that it was one and the same. I mean, they the way that they behaved was so integral to who they were that you really couldn't separate out and see the difference between the person and the way they were behaving. Um, but by and large, you know, most people can be divided up. Like even with your own spouse or family member, they can say or do something to you that's very hurtful um, or annoying to you. You know, but that, you know them better than that, but that one moment was something that really upset you. But you know in your heart of hearts that that's not really what that person's like and wants to always like that. But when you have somebody that you have generally good relationship with, every now and then you're mad at them, you're angry at them, you're disappointed in them or whatever it might be, you're offended by them. Um, but you see that as, a, as an act. You don't see it as the person. So you have to reconcile. You have to stop and say, well, I know this person, and I know that they wouldn't intentionally want to hurt me or put me down like that. And so you have to look at the behavior. And you say, what was that behavior all about? Um, sometimes you can reconcile things. It's sort of the thing with Stephanie asking why first when somebody does something, why did they do that? Why did they say that? She's actually trying to look at the behavior and, and somehow reconcile it with the person or with the relationship she's in with them, you know. Uh, and that's a very healthy thing to do. Um, so sometimes, you know, we do have to stop, give the person the benefit of the doubt and try to separate their behavior, you know, from the person that's behaving that way. But, you know, we all know individuals who seem to be beyond redemption. You know, they just hunker down into their, you know, mean-spiritedness, and it's just the way they are. At any drop of the hat, that's what comes out, you know. And uh, Well, that's the default setting that has to be yeah, changed. Right, so that's, yeah, a, and, that's the conscious agreement. Yeah. But is it, ser- you know, is it serving them the best? Are they getting the eggs that they want? Well, so it's, serving, they- it's serving them, but I don't think ultimately it's making them happy. Right. But um, it's serving them in some way. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. But uh, it's hard on the people around them. Um, and especially those who enable them to, to, to uh, continue to behave that way. Um, again, shining light in darkness. These are the moments where we have to say, no, that's not acceptable. No, you can't do that. In our own community, we see this. We've had some people that were really embarrassments to us that even committed crimes. And, and it, it, it sends a ripple through the community because we don't want to be seen by the behavior. We don't want to be defined by the behavior of, of people that are abusive. And and people will, the media will hook on that. You know, if you've got a witch that committed a crime, then they use that witch commits crime in the headlines you know, right. as though that's what witches do. Right. And so these people can, can really be problematic in our community. And that's why we have to be able to speak in ways that are that are positive, beneficial, and gainful, and to try to get that light to penetrate the darkness with many beams, so that the light is the darkness extinguished is extinguished by the light. Um, but uh, as we slide towards the end of the show, I want to kind of regroup here um, because we've talked about things that are positive and we talked about things that are negative, and I want to suggest that we remember what it is about our spirituality and sacredness that that really brings us all together. You know, when we come together, say, at a pagan pride, we're coming together 
to find unity through our diversity, to share our diversity, but let it unify us as a people. To say, and we're there to demonstrate this to the public who right. is coming. Absolutely. To be people that have different beliefs, but we can walk hand in hand with those different beliefs. We don't have to berate one another. We don't have to demean one another. We can say, well, that's interesting what you believe. Thank you for sharing it. You know, you don't, you don't have to practice it yourself. But pagan pride days and festivals are all about coming together. It should not be a time where anybody's speaking divisively, where anybody gets up and, and berates an individual or another group or anything like that. You know, do that on, you know, your own time. You know, don't, don't bring that into community. Um, Again, that comes out of respect, courtesy. Yeah. It comes out right. of, of what you should have learned in kindergarten. And there's a responsibility when we come together. I, I know that when I'm asked to be a keynote speaker at a pagan pride or a festival, to me that's a huge responsibility. And I know that whatever I'm going to say to the people that, that you know gather to hear it, I've got to uplift them. I've got to speak about our unity. I've got to think I've got to convey to them what is positive about us as a community, where our strengths are and help them embrace those strengths. And that's the message. You know, I can't get up there and, 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 and draw upon my own stuff, you know, and start, you know, throwing that out there that really I have to be mindful of what impact I'm going to have in a positive way when I speak in community. And that, that's really important. So even everybody should be doing that. We're there together. You know, it's a time to to honor each other and honor each other's story and to overlook the things that divide us and to embrace the things that unite us. And that is the positive light that displays the darkness. And um, that is what I think happened with um, the passing of Ray Buckland. Yeah, Ray Buckland um, was really on the front lines uh, of the craft, you know, back in the 60s, and he brought so much from England over here, and uh, a lot of people, I was, much to my surprise, younger people don't, some didn't know who he was. Um, those of us who have been around a long time, of course, knew who he was, and... and uh, well, I think that, I think the community is what I'm saying, yeah. came together yeah. mm-hmm. to honor right. what, what, I know that... Well, I know that Gardner is considered the grant, the the father of witchcraft, but uh, Mr. Buckland brought it from England to America, mm-hmm. so he is seen as the father of American Wicca. Yeah, I think a lot of people would look at it that way, but yeah. you know, we looked at the good that he did, and everybody honored what he brought and what he taught, and the books and the material. Yeah, and, no, no separation, yeah. no divisiveness, you know, and, no and that, quarreling. Right, that's how it should be. You know, you shouldn't see people at that time of passing go online and Facebook and whatnot and, and start attacking him. You know, that this is about honoring the good within our community mm-hmm. and not waving dirty laundry about it every opportunity that you can. Um, it's about sacredness. It's about sacredness. And I know that all of us came together because we felt that in the things we believe. We felt that in the practices that called to us. You know, whether it was a spirit or a god or a story from a Celtic legend or visiting a sacred site, you know, whatever it is, something stirred within us. 
We saw sacredness in the night when the moon was shining. We saw sacredness in the cycles of the sun. We saw sacredness in the dance and in the song, um, in the land. And these are the things that called us to be doing what we're doing today. Remembering the reasons why we came together is to reignite the torch. You know, I always used to say that in counseling when I had uh, couples that were at odds with each other and thinking about going separate ways and, you know, being confused and hurt. One of the things I used to say to them, and I'd have each of them tell me, what was it that brought you two together to begin with? How did you fall in love? What did you admire about each other? What drew you together? And I would have them talk about that to see if, if that was still there. You know, just so much stuff had buried it that it was a smoldering ember underneath all this stuff. And um, that's what I suggest today, that we all maybe go back and remember the sacredness that drew us to our beliefs, that connect us to our deities, that empower our songs and our poems and our stories, and our, um, spells. our spells, um, our unity, our diversity, our you know, um, there's a soul in every person, and it's important to try to see that. Sometimes that soul's buried really deep under a lot of stuff. But if we remember the light that was the origin, we were all one time born these pure babies. Stephanie and I talk about this all the time. We'll look at people and go, you know, at one time they were a little baby, a little toddler, you he know. He was somebody's son. He was somebody's Yeah, and the joy and the laughter yeah. and everything that they brought, and they felt, you know, we need to go back to the origin. So that's what I'm suggesting is that as we approach life and each other and the events and all the things that we do, let's try and remember sacredness and, and what uplifted us, what brought us together, what, what sustains us when we can look at each other and smile, when we can look at each other and dance in a circle or cast a circle or, or gather at a festival. You know, there's that moment of acknowledging the sacredness within us and within what we do and what we bring forward. I think that's hugely important. Yes. That is our path, my dear. Yes. That is our path. Um, and um, on that note, yeah. Yeah. I would like to do some uh, shameless promotion. <laughs> or shameful. Or shameful. No, shame, shame, shameless. <laughs> shameful. Shameless. Yeah, shameless. I'm not shameless. I'm not shameless. Okay. I'm Don't confuse me. I'm creating light. Yeah. I'm creating did, you, did you know that um, the police that, that sing, sung a song that's called Spirits in the Material World, where it says right. we are spirits in the material mm-hmm. world? Right. I thought that was pretty cool. I heard that today. Well, and then the uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young Lady have a verse that a higher spirit, higher voice is calling. Yeah. You know, um, and, and I think that that's that again is to realize that there's something greater than ourselves that is so much more positive we connect to it, we become part of it. Yes, and it's part of us. So, um, back to my shameless for moment. Yeah, let's close the show up with uh, announcements or whatever. Yes, so um, this coming Saturday, we will be in Cornwall on the Hudson at Breed's Closet. And we will be doing a workshop on the Wheel of the Year, uh, the Inner Teaching. And um, it's a great workshop. Uh, it explains the Wheel of the Year, 
um, as it turns with a mated couple and what is happening in nature and what that means to you in your life. And we'll be making a shamanic cord, mystery cord, that will be um, tied into the workshop and um, will be a part of that. You will, take it, you will take that home with you to work with it um, as you see fit. And then uh, the following weekend, we are going to be at the Robin's Nest doing oracle readings. Raven and I do readings together with our decks, the well-worn path and the hidden path. Um, and uh, it's a unique type of reading because you're getting both the male and female um, in perspective, perspective, insight. insight. Yeah, I was trying to think of the right word. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. Um, so it, it can be very interesting uh, uh, to have that done. If you've never had it done, you can call Robin's Nest and uh, grab a spot if you like. And then, of course, Sunday the 15th is Celebrate Samhain, which is the Samhain Festival. Uh, this is going to be, I believe, the, the uh, 12th year, and it will be at the Nashua, I think it's Nashua uh, Marriott, where Magical Marketplace is. Uh, there'll be lots of people there doing workshops, lots of vendors. Uh, it's in a hotel, so it's comfortable. Um, and we'll, we will be there all day. We're both doing a talk. Um, I'm doing a talk on the mandrake, and Raven is doing a talk on ritual tools. Ritual tools. Uh, so there you have that. And then on the 20th, I believe, of October. We are, for the first time, going to be at Curious Goods in New Haven, Connecticut. And we will be doing, the last time uh, we will be doing this, um, uh, Sambina, the owner, asked if Raven would consider doing this for her, and he did. So it will be the last time he will be doing Italian witchcraft workshop in public. Um, that is that, That's just something we don't do anymore, and so it's kind of hard to um, advocate it and stay in that stream, but the workshop's still wonderful. I mean, they give you a, a, a good overview of the practice and the, and the tradition, and um, books that support that are Italian Witchcraft and Hereditary Witchcraft. Uh, both of those books are good references for Italian Witchcraft as well. So um, those are, and we're also going to be at Pandora's Box this month which is in Norwich, Connecticut. I'll make another announcement about that on the next show because it'll be, it'll be after the next show, which is on the 18th. So I want to say personally that I am very grateful for all of you out there who support Raven and myself and the teachings and the um, life that we feel very passionate about in bringing our spirituality and our practice of witchcraft to you and uh, you allow us to do what we do and, and I, I am very appreciative of that and grateful and uh, Raven, can you like to say sign off here? Yep. You know, we're all in this life together. You know, we all came as souls into this realm and we're in this together. Um, so let's help each other get through it. Let's be light for one another. Let's not be darkness for one another. Uh, remember that you bear within you the divine spark, which came from the Creator, and there's a responsibility of carrying that flame. So let's show each other light. 
and let's support one another and, and help us all get through this life in the most gainful, beneficial, and positive way. Um, and that's not namby-pamby spirituality. <laughs> Which you have been accused of. Who needs your mamby pamby spirituality? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think maybe every now and then, yeah, we do need it. We need to be reminded. So that's just who we are. So sacredness, wholeness, and positive role models within our community, those are the things that we should move forward with, and that's the light we should shine. And um, I'm preaching to the choir, I'm sure, because that's the way you good folks out there are. And uh, it's the good folks that get us through. So thank you for being who you are uh, in a positive way. And uh, we will see you next time on uh, Spirit on the Seasons of the Witch show. And that will be October 18th. People, let your light shine. We'll see you soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.